What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. My name's Brady. My name's Brett. And today we're going to be going over a little bit of some recent news. Should be some good stuff to talk about. A couple of riders, a couple, couple of followers from the Combine, a couple of pre-free agency stuff to go over. Uh, yeah, definitely a loaded episode today. We got a ton to talk about. A lot's happened, especially within the past two days or so, especially in the NFL. And not really much else has gone on other than that, but we'll still touch on some things. So I'll get us started off here. We'll give a weekly update on the golf world. So the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill wrapped up this past weekend, and uh, Scotty Scheffler won it at 5-under. He earned himself a $2.2 million payday. Uh, High scores across the board all week. Not really a good week for good scores. And... After being beat up in the first round, Rory McIlroy finished with back-to-back four-over 76s to take himself out of contention, basically. Uh, and only four golfers shot better than three under over the course of the whole weekend, which was really shocking compared to normal scores. Surprising. It says a lot about the course. must have been either just tough weekend weather-wise or just tough course this weekend. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is really tough course. And then this upcoming weekend, we have the Players' Championship which is played down in Florida at TPC Sawgrass. Justin Thomas won it there last year and will try to win it for a second consecutive year. And if you want to talk about pure courses, I mean, that's as pure as it gets. It's an incredible course. Uh, one of my dream courses I want to play someday. And a few days ago, he actually had a little video. Him and Nick Saban played the final three holes of that course, kind of chatted it up, basically just ragging on each other and... <laughs> Both from Alabama, so they have a connection there. And that was interesting, really fun video to watch. Um, but, yeah, that's basically it in the golf. We have the Masters coming up in a like a month and a half or so, which should be interesting. And, yeah, I mean, Brady, you want to just get us going on the MLB front? Yeah, before I start, who you got this weekend? Who are you taking to win? You got to pick right now on Wednesday. All right. Um, on the spot a little bit. I didn't, I didn't put yeah. this in the notes, but just just came Ooh. just came to me. I'm going to go Max Homa. Ooh, all right. He's a younger guy. He won last year. There was a playoff at the Genesis at the Riviera Country Club just north of San Diego. He won in a four-hole playoff last year, and I'll take him, I'll take him this weekend. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, getting into some MLB news. Uh, came out today, earlier, maybe an hour or so ago from when we're starting this recording. Um, MLB canceled more games, pushed opening back, opening day back to know earlier than April 14th, which is really upsetting. Yeah, is really thought they'd come to an agreement today. It sounded like there was a lot of progress the past couple nights. Um, MLB or MLBPA agreed to have to get bigger bases, significantly bigger bases. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. They're way bigger. I don't get they're, really what the point I mean, of that sizably is. Sizably larger. Um, pitch clock didn't – I guess it's not official yet, but those are some things that they have said we're okay doing those going forward. Obviously – one or both of those could be taken out of the eventual agreement that they come to. So we don't have official numbers yeah. on pitch clock or bigger bases. If I had to guess, bases are probably area-wise oh, damn near 30% bigger. They're huge. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and then, you know, with the lockout still going on, a bunch of teams this week had player-led workouts. I know the Dodgers had a player-led workout. Walker Buehler was there pitch, doing some pitcher-catcher work. Uh Top pitching prospect Bobby Miller doing live ABs. Looked really good for him. Um, just some Dodgers-specific stuff. But I know nearly every team had that this week. Yeah, the Orioles did too. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see the players are still working. Um, obviously, the guys that are at the negotiations aren't. I know Max Scherzer is a big guy at the negotiations, so he's probably not getting a ton of work this week. Yeah. Although they've only been beating for like 45 minutes at a time, so I'm sure he's getting plenty of workouts because the MLB and MLBPA can't stand each other for that long. Um, but, no, I – they're getting workouts in. Good to see. Um, hopefully, they by the next episode, I'm really hoping they've got something going on But in terms of agreement, but we'll see. Yeah, I definitely hope they start moving. Uh, they're supposed to come to an agreement in the next few days, but we'll see how if that actually happens or not. Um, but in the, really meantime, hope in the meantime, happens. we got college baseball. In the we meantime. do. We do have college baseball. We're fairly new to the following of college baseball, as we've both been huge MLB fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but being in college, it definitely lends to being a bigger college fan across many sports. Especially at a perennial top 20, top 15 program. It, it, yeah, it's definitely it helps. nice being a baseball fan at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. 
And we're going to jump into that, actually. Um, just talk about a couple teams, a couple things going on with the rankings and how teams are playing as we head into the fourth week of the season. Um, I'll start. We got NC State and Mississippi State. They each dropped 14 spots in this week's ranking. NC State dropped from, I believe, 8 to 22, and Mississippi State dropped from 9 to 23. Mm-hmm. As Texas remains at the top, even after dropping a game last week, and the top three remain the same. Uh, Miami, Sacramento State, and Long Beach State actually dropped out of the rankings. Yeah, quality loss for Texas, though. It's a good good UCLA team. Also, it's a tough week of ba- tough weekend of baseball for them out in yeah out played in, a lot of good teams this in week. Houston. Yeah, um, it was them, LSU, UCLA, Tennessee, Tennessee, uh, TCU, and yeah. Baylor. Yeah, a bunch of quality programs. Um, yeah. Man, if, if Tennessee or Baylor is the, the, the lowest end program there, that's, that's saying something. Um, really good baseball tournament this week. It's similar to what they had at Globe Life that we went to in Arlington. Yeah. Start the season off. But um, I'll kind of go with some surprises in the last week. Um, I just got to start off with the good. Gonzaga looked great this weekend. Sweeped, or got a sweep of, swept, rather. Jesus. Swept Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Uh, I believe they were ranked number four going into that series. Yeah, that was a very impressive series. Um, impressive from Gonzaga. I remember when Gonzaga came to, to Lubbock last year. Um, thought I thought they were a little worse than they were. They put up a decent couple games, and then they actually made a run to come ba- come playoff baseball time. Um, nice to see that. But you yeah, know, good for Gonzaga get, get you know crack, crack the top twenty five, get a sweep of a top four program. Um, really, really good program at that. And then my bad. Uh, gonna have to go after your Terps a little bit here. Bad week. What happened? Yeah, they are definitely one of my bad teams just because <laughs> the underperformance and really surprised with how they fell off after I gave them all that love. But I'm sure they'll get back on track. They're still ranked. They only dropped three spots to 24, mm-hmm. and their pitching will come around. Their pitching started off really hot, so you couldn't expect it to stay that way. Yeah. Well, they quality losses, I guess, in, in all. Um, lost to Michigan and uh, Eastern Carolina. But the lone win coming against Indiana State um, in the middle of those two. They went uh, Friday loss, Saturday win, Sunday loss. Um, mm-hmm. Would have hoped to see them pick up a win against UM or ECU just in terms of uh, yeah. wanting to see them get on a really high-quality opponent, a win against a high-quality opponent under their belt. But nonetheless, they'll bounce back. They're talented. They've had a great start to the year. Pitching looked really good. So, you know, pitching hiccups are going to happen. That's natural. So... Um, yeah, yeah let you kind of get your good and bad and that kind of thing. Yeah, a good team that was on the good side this week was, I thought, Tennessee. Now, they did lose to UT by five runs, like Brady said, down in Houston. Uh, but they came back and beat Baylor 10-5 to and then beat OU 8-0 the next day. So those are two really quality wins against good Big 12 opponents, which is a really good conference for baseball this year. Uh, and then my bad is probably LSU. Uh, they lost to uh, Louisiana Tech, UT, and Baylor in the same week. Uh, a little underwhelming for the amount of talent they have on the roster year in and year out. Uh, they dropped five spots in the rankings to number 12. But like Maryland, I'm sure they'll get back on track. They're always reloading talent and prospects coming in. Yeah, and I guess we'll kind of hit on Texas Tech baseball now. Uh, kind of what you were talking about earlier with Mississippi State dropping on the rankings 14 spots. They actually just finished up game two of the two-game series. Yeah. Um, not in – I'm going to draw a blank on the name right now of where Mississippi State is because I, I know it. Starkville. Starkville, yeah. Starkville. Not in Starkville, but in Biloxi, Mississippi. So basically a, a road series um, yep. before they head to Houston to play Rice next week. Uh, split both games, 11-5 to loss yesterday. Kind of a pitching collapse in the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. Giving up nine runs. Uh, bounce back today with a quality win if you want to you wanna kind of recap that if you want. Yeah, they they came into the two-game set in Biloxi 10-2, and two, uh, and they played Mississippi State, like Brady said. It was it was a good win today, and we're recording this on Wednesday, and they played solid all around today. I felt like Parker, we'll get to him in a second, but he was the <laughs> offensive and defensive, really all-around MVP yeah. of this game today, and he just looked really good. He made a really nice couple snags at third base, and he also hit another grand slam, which we'll get into his stats this past weekend. But he hit another grand slam. He had uh, four RBIs on the day. He went three for four. And Jace had a really nice catch last night, 
diving catch kind of in shallow center field. Jace plays second base, so he's kind of ranging to his right and back, and he made a nice leaping grab. Um, Parker Kelly, though, this past weekend, Texas Tech played Merrimack, or should I say hosted Merrimack. They're a school just north of Boston. God. And they played them in a four-game series and dropped 70 runs on them. Before you go further on that, I've been watching baseball for a long time. I played baseball as a kid growing up. Uh, watched a lot of high school baseball. Watched a lot of college baseball. Watched a lot of MLB baseball. I've never seen a team at, at their level of play be so bad. Merrimack was awful. It was awful. I feel like some Lubbock local high schools would beat them. It was pitiful. It, I mean, genuinely, yeah. it, was, it was kind of sad. They were week. miscommunicating about routine pop flies. They couldn't make a throw from right <laughs> field to second base. Yeah. It was it was kind of fun to watch as a Tech fan, but yeah. also not the kind of team you want to play before going into a series against the number 23-ranked team in the nation. Defending champs, too. The, yeah. A lot of talent yeah, on the team. Not forget to mention that, but... Parker Kelly, though, this past weekend in the four-game set against Merrimack, this is all in one game. He had three home runs. He had two grand slams. His other home run was solo, leading to nine RBIs. Not only was he the Big 12 Player of the Week, he was the Golden Spikes Player Performance of the Week, which is the best single-game performance across the entire country. D1, D2, whatever you want. And along with that, Owen Washburn, the freshman, true freshman right fielder, won the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week, and he has, I believe he's hitting right around 350, 330 right now. On-base percentage has got to be over 450. Yeah, he's getting walks like crazy. He and Jay's on-base percentage probably right around 500. Uh, Ty Coleman, who is a DH, and Easton Morrell, who really plays all over the field, are both currently nursing hamstring injuries, which is kind of disappointing, but it gets other guys to the plate, like uh, Zach Vuletic, who balled out playing in left field, hitting in the two spot this past weekend. Although he didn't play in either of the two games against Mississippi State, he looked really good this past weekend. And looked aggressive at the plate. He did, yeah. Uh, which is good to see a guy coming off the bench. Uh, clutch, clutch ABs, uh, did a good job. Again, not a guy you expect to provide some run support, but really did, and really did, did a really good job of that. Yeah, he had plenty of RBIs this past weekend mm-hmm. and didn't really do much in the field. He didn't really have any looks outside of the routine pop flyer, grounder to his feet, but... I'm sure he will show off his defense here sooner than later. He's really quick and twitchy, and he's a good guy to have on your team. Yeah, and then uh, I guess kind of going back to the first game, 11-5 to loss. I mean, outside of the fourth inning, when you give up a nine spot, it's actually a pretty well-played game across the board. Yeah, um, no, yesterday, other than the fourth and then today, I mean, really well-played series. Bats, bats looked powerful, right? I mean... Yeah, they looked really good, and I thought, I mean, outside of that one inning, mm-hmm. you outscore them 12-4 to four the whole series, but then you go up the ninth spot and you end up splitting the series. But yeah. it was a good experience, good two-game set with a really, really good program and a good team that's always going to be right there at the top. It definitely helps you out for when conference play comes around. And, it's, again, it's basically a road series. I mean, yeah. the crowd, if you're listening, I was listening to the audio uh, via the Texas Tech Sports app, and... It, it sounded like it was a te- it was in Starkville at a home game. The mm-hmm. crowd was all from Mississippi, which makes sense. I mean, it's in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but it was really good to see Jace perform well against a good team. He'd been in a little bit of a slump at the plate, I guess. Mm-hmm. Kind of got out of it against Merrimack. Granted, everybody did because they yeah. were awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, really, good, really glad to see Jace had a just a tank yesterday. Yeah, he had a monster game yesterday. Monster game yesterday. Single, double, home run, and an out. So he went three for four. Uh, today he didn't do too bad, but not three hits. No, um, but I'm looking forward. He's coming around. He kind of yeah. slow start, but to but see the the pop the pop back in his bat. He's not under everything like he was to start the year in, in Arlington. Yeah, uh, like I said, pops back in his bat. He's crushing balls right now. He should have had a, another homer in at the law the other day against Merrimack. Merrimack rather uh, banged it off the top of the wall in center field. So he it, the like I said. The power's back in his bats. Really good to see. Yeah. Um, get, those doubles will start turning yeah. into homers here yeah. soon. Yeah. yeah. And I guess good to see. We'll go a little bit to the NBA with uh, Ben Simmons. Not going to be back yet, but it sounds like there's going to be some progression in getting back for the Nets. Won't play against Philly, but um, it sounds like he's going to be good to go here in the next week or so. Yeah, he should be good to go when Philly travels. Or, sorry, when... 
he returns to Philly yeah. here in the next week or so. So it, that should be good to see. You always want to see the league's premier players fully healthy and playing on the court or field or whatever sport it may be. It's just best for the game. Um, but Nikola Jokic, he is leading the NBA in triple-doubles right now. And nearly every stat, yeah, by the way. nearly every in stat. In the last month. I mean, I think you'd send me that Twitter DM of a graphic, and I want to say it was probably – Probably had 30 stats on it, and he was leading in probably 80% of them. Yeah, it's I crazy. think it was like 26 out of 30 he was leading in. Mm-hmm. And they were comparing his stats to Larry Bird and saying how similar they were. In some categories, Jokic was better than Bird. Um, but that's just impressive. He will most likely win MVP if it was right now. We'll see how he finishes the season. Just but, to clarify, is that, a, is that a hot take? Or you? Is that a hot take from the cold seat? Or really, you, you calling him Larry Bird? I don't think you are. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm just not. Make sure. I just, it was a good comparison. I saw someone post on Twitter. Yeah. They did a lot of uh, research in. But he looks good. I don't really see how he couldn't get MVP. I mean, MB looks good, but he's maybe a hair inconsistent. Steph, but major they, drop they're off in slumping. The last few weeks. Yeah. So yeah. I really think Jokic has been the most consistent and most valuable to the Nuggets so far. Yeah. And he should win MVP, like I said, if the season ended today. But we'll see how he finishes and we'll see. How the playoffs go, because things can always change. Yeah. Uh, Lakers making a playoff push or trying to. They're probably going to be in the playing tournament. It's kind of a gimme. Um, but you mentioned Golden State kind of in a slump. Yeah. LeBron went for 56-10 and 10 at age 37 against Golden State over this weekend. Uh, looked really, really good. No AD. Still got the win against Golden State in L.A. Um, I'm hoping AD gets back for them pretty soon. We'll see. I, I, I want to say he's going to be back in the next few weeks per reports, but... You know, with with AD per reports is nothing. I mean, it literally yeah. means nothing. Yeah. So, um, but no, Lakers are trying to make the playoff push. Like I said, uh, picked up the win with after LeBron's incredible performance, fifty six and ten. Like I said, uh, he sits out Monday, and they lose to your Spurs in San Antonio. Um, disappointing, but not not unexpected when LeBron sits. But um, yeah, I mean, Spurs are kind of a streaky team. They sold. And they uh, traded a lot of their guys yeah. at the deadline. Kind of didn't know what to expect for the second half post-All-Star break for the Spurs. But I was hoping Greg Popovich, who tied Don Nelson as the all-time winningest coach of the NBA, with his 13, sorry, 1,335th career win on Monday night against the Lakers, I was hoping he would have broken the record against the Lakers while being at home because now I don't think he will break the record in San Antonio. They have a couple game road trip here coming up, and I'm not sure. Throw them, they ain't making the playoffs. Win. Throw them, let yeah, them, let them get it point, home. At this point, I'd rather <laughs> happen at home than have one more win on the season yeah. and have it happen on the road. Uh, that's really is all that's going on in the NBA. The standings have pretty much remained the same from since we last mentioned them last week. Suns are still leading the West. Heat are still leading the East. Uh, it's going to get close here down the stretch, I'm sure. Yeah, but we're going to kind of shift gears to college basketball, more specifically tech basketball. We have the opening night of the Big 12 tournament tomorrow night, and the number three, Texas Tech, finished number three in the Big 12. They will take on the number seven. Seven? Seven-seeded in the Big seven 12, seed, Iowa yeah. State, yeah. Iowa State. The tournament's played in Kansas City and kind of had a shoot-around today. Um, I'm looking for Tech to win that game, hopefully by 15 points. you got to feel good. Say looking to win dominantly is what I'd like to see. To playing... You assume Baylor on Friday night because they play Oklahoma, and if Oklahoma won that, I don't know how they would. But In other news, the AP, Associated Press, officially named head coach of the Red Raiders, Mark Adams, the Big 12 Coach of the Year, and power forward Bryson Williams to first-team All-Big 12. Bryson finished the season averaging just over 14 points per game and about 44% from the three-point line, which is really impactful and really is Really, our most valuable player this year, as he stepped right in as a sixth year transfer from UTEP, and really helped give this team a jolt and give us that big presence down low that we needed. No doubt. Uh, thought in terms of the Big Twelve awards that the Big Twelve conference gave out. Scott Drew getting Big Big Twelve Coach of the Year. Didn't love it. It's voted yeah. on by the voted on by the coaches, so I guess a little more understandable for Adams to lose it in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, thought that Kevin McCullough got snubbed. In terms of yeah, defensive player so. of, the, uh, of the year in the conference, as I mean, well as... He was a Naismith defensive finalist, which 
which means basically he's a top 15 defensive player in the country, yeah. and he didn't even make first-team All-Big 12 defense. And I think objectively across those that follow college basketball, I know we're getting, not getting into college basketball today because no, not a ton to talk about. It's a bunch of mid-majors playing conferences, playing conference tournaments right now, and mm-hmm. we'll get into that a bunch next week with yeah. uh, with brackets coming out. Maybe a spoiler, there might be a bracket on the pod. We'll see. I don't know. You yeah. have to make that executive decision come bracket time. But, no, we'll get into that next week with brackets in college basketball. But if you moderately follow, have followed college basketball this year, objectively, Texas Tech's probably got a top five defense in the nation and the best defense in the Big 12. How do they not have a single all-Big 12 defensive team selection? Yeah, it doesn't really make it. sense to me, especially Malik Wilson. I mean, there's multiple guys that could be on that team. And Malik Wilson, for sure. Talk about us. I mean, if he gets more minutes. If he, he started. He probably would because what? He's the, he's he might one be of, a Naismith finalist. One of two players this year to average over 4.4% or have a 4.4% steal and block rate yep. this year. One of one of two. And the other guy is a, a 6'9 big from LSU who's probably going to win the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. He probably will win, yeah. His if I had to guess, it would be him or Chet probably because the – most likely. People love Chet Holmgren, five-star recruit, whatever. I don't really care. Yeah. Probably going to be the LSU kid, though. Um, so him and Malik Wilson. Mind you, Malik Wilson's six foot three, averaging a four per, over four, just oh, just almost 4.5% block rate. That's crazy. His vertical is insane, though. You, he got he, some he's bounce. driving down the lane, and he just Ooh. easily gets to the rim. Yeah. His vertical's got to be up there for the highest on the team. If yeah. he was taller, I mean, he's got – he's touching the highest. So. Yeah. It's but, impressive. Uh, yeah, Big 12 tournament should is going should not should be is very important for this Texas Tech team uh with their road woes this year that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect from this team. Um I've kind of had the mindset that they that they could be a team that goes to New Orleans just because they play so so good a defense and they've got guys that can score, but I also think they're they won't make it out of weekend 1. Sometimes yeah, I because hope- I hope they can find their ways here yeah. in the Big 12 tournament because it's all at one location. And, I mean... It's not in Lubbock. That's the, only, it's not in the USA. That's the important right. thing, right? It's not in Lubbock. It's not a road... It's not a, it's not a home game. It's a road environment. Neutral site. I, I have to see them be better. Yeah, their only impressive road win this year is really at Waco. And, and I'll I take mean, the Kansas loss as an impressive road loss. Yeah. So. Those really two guys were really the reason we lost that game. But... I'll really look to see how they play this weekend on, I mean, pretty much a neutral court, but that's how it's going to be throughout March Madness as well. Mm-hmm. And hopefully hopefully they can make a run here in the tournament. I mean, you see Big 12 tournament, if they win the tournament, they might be a two seed. If they lose to Iowa State opening rounds, they'll be a four seed. So there's a lot to play for here in this tournament, and seeding really matters down the stretch when you want to have better opponents to play. And... I, re- I really could see them making a run of the Final Four that's in New Orleans this year. Or I could see them losing, like Brady said. I mean, there's really no in-between this year with this team. There's kind of – when they're on, they're on. And when they're off, they're terrible. So we'll see how they go here in the Big 12 tournament. And hopefully they can do well and play up to their opponents and not down. Yeah. Before we move on from this, I will say, looking at how some of these regions are going to sort out, there is a couple scenarios that I'd rather be a three seed than a two seed because I think that our draw as a three seed is better. I I would love to get I would love to draw Wisconsin because mm-hmm. without I mean without Johnny Davis they looked like an NIT team the other night when he got hurt in the second half. Yeah, if we can shut him down, that I just I would rather have them as a two and us be a three than have to you know maybe we get Providence as a, as a three. I I just don't know if I want to play a really good defensive team. Mm-hmm. All in all, but. Um, we'll kind of move forward a little bit to Texas Tech football for a minute. We mentioned it at the end of the last podcast, the Joe McGuire effect, up to the second highest ranked recruiting class still as guys get their stars. Um, currently all juniors in high school. Really exciting time. Uh, for next season, though, landed at an all-conference USA offensive lineman, uh, Cole Spencer out of Western Kentucky, to follow his offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, to come to Lubbock who should be an immediate impact starter for us next year. Probably going to play guard, maybe tackle? I don't think he so. Might. A lot of people are saying he'll play tackle, but I think, I think it'll they be were looking for him as an interior offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, he was tackle when he played at Western Kentucky and got that all-conference USA honor last year. Now, with the team, uh, with the Texas Tech's current offensive line, they're a good bit bigger, and Spencer's skill set, I've heard, 
is better for that interior position. And he should normally, when tackles move inside, they play better, which would be very nice to have that kind of lockdown guy there at guard mm-hmm. or center when you're playing really good defensive lines across the Big 12 and hopefully in tournaments yeah. or tournament uh, bowl game. Yeah. Um, no, no, flexibility is going to be huge. It'll be nice that he is flexible to play different positions if, if need be with an injury. Um, but what I'm more going to be concerned about coming up is who he's going to block for quarterback next season. I have no idea. Could be Tyler Shuck. Uh, senior quarterback, transferred from Oregon uh, prior uh, prior to last season. Mm-hmm. Got hurt at the end of the year, hurt his collarbone. Could be Donovan Smith, who ended up finishing the season as a starter. Uh, beat Mississippi State, looked really good in the bowl game. Could be Baron Morton, former Elite 11 alumni, which is basically an Elite 11, the top 11 quarterback recruits in the country for yep. high school. They all go to, uh, I want to say it's a Nike facility in Oregon when it's the final 11 or however many it is. Yeah, I'm not sure where it is. Um, it used to be in Oregon. I don't know if it's there or not anymore. They may have moved it. But basically it's just an elite quarterback camp. Um, all the top prospects in the country go. He's an alumni of that. He went uh, true freshman last year, red-shirted. I've heard he can sling that thing. He, he's he got the build for it. It could be any three of those guys. I would love all love to see all three of them in the offense. But in terms of uh, some little bit of NFL draft types, and we'll be getting to that in a minute, I've seen some Donovan Smith. And in the kind of the deep, deep rabbit hole of NFL draft Twitter uh, for twenty twenty three guys, seeing a little bit of hype for him just because of the dual threat uh, option and looking looking at what Kittley did for Bailey Zappi last year, Western Kentucky. Yeah, definitely. Uh, could see Donovan. I think Donovan may have the best in terms of like potential at the next level, just because he's the athletic upside is crazy. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean. As if he gets that deep ball down, as mm-hmm. it was kind of shaky last year, if he gets that down, I think he could really cement his status on not only our team, but maybe to draft prospects. Um, but going into the year, I mean, you have the local guy, like Brady said, Baron Morton, who's out of Eastland, which is about two hours east of Lubbock. I think Tyler Shuck's going to be the starter week one. If he's healthy, I feel like, based on what I've seen this offseason, I feel like he's the guy in command at the moment. Now, that could always change based on performance or injury or what have you, but it's just nice knowing if someone's not good, you have two other guys that are ready to go and ready to perform and have experience. I will say I do think one guy, one of those three will transfer at some point. Yeah, that's likely. Um, likely Smith or Morton, which I would hate to see happen, um, though I just think that's likely the case, especially with NIL right now. Especially with Donovan Smith's dad leaving to become. Yep, he's the, at the uh, running backs coach running for the Giants. Um, also, cool for him. That's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, but I think whoever does, does win this quarterback competition ends up likely being the starter for most of the season. I don't think that McGuire is going to – Joe McGuire, head coach of the football team, I don't think he's going to want to switch quarterbacks. I think they should – I don't think they should. They should stick with one probably. Yeah, they unless, should. Unless it's Shuck and he just doesn't look good, then you can maybe move on to a younger guy. I would get that. But if it's Smith or Morton, you gotta ride, you got to ride him out the whole time. Um, but I think whoever does win the quarterback competition is going to garner some serious draft attention. Shuck, first, if it's Shuck, it'll be 2023 draft. If it's Smith, it'll be 23 or 24. He's eligible next year. Don't think he would go unless he had a just a crazy out of the blue, mm-hmm. more out of the blue than that Joe Burrow-Heisman season, just out of literally nowhere. Um, and if it's Morton, 2024, because he's got two more years, but I do think with the high-powered offense that Kitley has, again, nobody knew Bailey Zappi's name prior to right. start of the season, and he's probably going to be a day three, a, a round two, round three, day two pick um, as a backup quarterback or potential starter for a team. Looking at what he did for him, and any any quarterback that's going to play in Kitley's system, especially with the talent at the skill at the skill positions that we have at Texas Tech, is going to be really really talented and put up just stupid numbers, mm-hmm. especially against Big Twelve defenses. Ain't nobody playing defense in the Big Twelve. Yeah, so. Um, I guess switching over to the NFL a little bit. Um, yeah. We won't get into the mock quite yet, but uh, comp picks did not come out today. Kind of disappointed. It was very disappointing. I was really looking forward to seeing comp picks. Uh, so compensatory picks are basically when a team loses a player to free agency and they play and they get certain accolades that season, that first season with their new team. The team that lost them, will gain a pick in the draft, usually a third, fourth, or fifth round pick, in compensation for losing a player. Like So, for example, if the Chargers have a wide receiver who goes and signs with the Ravens, and that receiver is a – he puts up 
1,000 receiving yards in his first year with the Ravens, the Chargers would then get a fourth-round draft pick in the following draft right. as compensation, or vice versa. Um, there's qualifications for all of them. They always mm-hmm. change whenever they change every year for positions, for that kind of thing. Um, age of the player matters too. I know vets can get more are ranked higher in terms of compensatory guys yeah. and, or compensatory guidelines. Um, but like Brett said, it's via free agency, and no off- free agency doesn't start until... Um, 11 a.m. on Monday. Yeah, 11 a.m. Monday. We got the some, tampering opens. We got some pre-free agency. Franchise tags went off on Monday. Uh, we do, we do. And we got some some extensions that happened. Uh, a couple player mo- I mean, movement, player movements have been crazy a in the past couple of days. A ton of stuff's gone These on. These past two days have been insane. Yeah. Um, we've seen some of the league's biggest stars switch teams, stay with teams. We've seen receiver get re-signed and... There's really a lot coming up here in these next few days as teams will continue mm-hmm. to acquire what they think will give them the best shot to win and free up cap space before the tampering window opens Monday at noon Eastern. Yep. Um, I guess sort of franchise tags. First of all, two tight ends got franchise tag. Neither of them were worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think they were. I think I'll take Mike Gusecki from the Dolphins over David Njoku from the Browns. I think Gusecki... His skill set is a little more unique, um, and he's probably in that top six to seven tight end range in the league. Um, I mean, I kind of, if they were going to tag someone, I felt like it would be Gusecki just because of how much value he brings to that team and how much of the weight he takes off their third-year quarterback's shoulders. And so maybe they'll reach a deal, but David Njoku from Cleveland, I really didn't see that coming. Well, I forgot Dalton Schultz, too. I'm yeah. surprised he got the tag. Dallas is making all the wrong money moves. I'm not going to complain. I don't really like the Cowboys that much. Sorry for all the Cowboys fans out there that are listening. I just mm. don't like them that much. Yeah, um, I, I didn't see that move coming. He, like I said about Gusecki's skill set, Schultz has a very um, – his skill set is not as unique, and you can easily find that skill set maybe in the third round of the draft. I was going to say, I think that I – mean, we've, we've had this conversation before. There's only a handful of special talents t- in terms of tight ends in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Gasicki, maybe. I don't know if Njoku and Schultz are. I think Njoku is a very athletic tight end and very athletic player. But tight ends, I think they're kind of expendable to an extent. I mean, I think, what, Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, George Kittle in San Francisco, Mark Andrews in Baltimore, Kyle Pitts in Atlanta, Darren Waller in Las Vegas. Those are the big big five. TJ Hawkinson in, in, in Detroit's up there, I guess, as well a little bit. But out of those handful of guys I think nearly everyone else is expendable and you can replace that like Dawson Knox in Buffalo listen props him for playing his role and and doing it to the best of his ability and having a great year taking advantage of the opportunity but you're telling me that other guys couldn't do that in that role in that offense in that system with that quarterback offenses like Buffalo and Dallas and Cleveland their offense is Kind of catered to make tight ends look better than they are, whereas Kansas City, San Fran, Vegas, Baltimore with those top tight ends, those tight ends really get the offense catered to them because of how they are. Yes, very well put. And David Njoku, he's not even the best tight end on that team. They just dropped a lot of money on Austin Hooper. And they're they're retaining him, too. They're they're keeping keeping him. him. So to use that franchise tag, which is a premium price on David Njoku, is just – not the move I would make, but me, the value in tight either. ends is skyrocketing. So you got to think they see something in him. That's and they probably why see Hooper leaving for more money. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the tight end market is absurd fine. right now. It's absurd. It's incredible what's happening. Um, but it's nice to see. You know, a lot of guys, especially one of the Ravens players, actually Pat Ricard. He's a fullback. He's probably a top three fullback in the league, and. He is actually wanting – he doesn't even care about being the highest-paid fullback because he's wanting to have more of a tight end role because he knows where that's where he's going to get his money. Mm-hmm. And he really wants to work on his pass catching and wants to find a team that really has a role for him as that tight end. Yeah, I guess the kind of other tags, pass catchers, Devontae Adams tagged in Green Bay following the announcement of Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. Yep. Uh, the right move, I think. Definitely, Jordan Love's yeah. not ready. Uh, Chris Godwin gets tagged in Tampa Bay. No idea what they're doing at quarterback next year. I didn't like that move. I just didn't know. I expected it, but I didn't like it. Agreed. I, here's my thing. 
financially, the ta- the ta- the wide receiver tag is eighteen million. I know that because the Chargers almost tagged Mike Williams and got the extension done, and I'm glad because the tag cap hit is huge. Mm-hmm. Do the how are they going to make the money work? They want to get a, a they want to get a vet quarterback. They're going to have to get well. We'll get into their quarterback situation a little bit, but I mean. If they want to get a vet quarterback in there, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Because vet quarterback, Mitch Trubisky is about to get $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky, he's got, listen, Mitch Trubisky, Twitter legend, maybe one of the greatest tweets ever. I'm not going to reference it directly. Yeah, quite possibly. Maybe the best tweet ever, though, a long time ago. If you guys want to go find it, very easy to find. Uh, look it up on Google. Yes. Incredible tweet. But terrible quarterback. Awful. Yeah. I, I hated him getting picked high out of... Uh, at a, and UNC, when he did, and I just don't think he's a good quarterback in the NFL. He's going to get $10 million. I don't know what Tampa's going to do. I thought it was a – listen, in terms of team building, you'd love to keep Chris Godwin. But the, you can get a slot receiver, notably another one from Penn State, at 27 if you wanted it. Yep. Jahan Dotson would be there for them. I just So I don't – I'm with you. Didn't like it. Kind of saw it kind of. Though. But they already have Mike Evans, who is – one of the most consistent receivers in the league. And I just didn't see them using that money on Godwin. Like Brady said, the tag is $18 million. I thought this would let him walk, maybe get a compensatory pick like we were talking about earlier because that would most likely be a third-round pick for him and go about their ways easily, that way. Easily would have been a third. Unless he got hurt, easily would have been a third. Then we got a couple other guys. Well, uh, one safety and a couple O-linemen got tagged, which is about expected. I mean – about seven tags each year is about what you expect. Maybe half the league, but normally less. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. out of Kansas City and Cam Robinson out of Jacksonville both got the tag. Left placed. tackles, that is, yeah. Left tackles. Yeah, they're both left tackles on the offensive line. Uh, kind of saw the Orlando one coming. I didn't feel like they would reach an agreement on a deal before the tag deadline came. Uh, Cam Robinson I really didn't see coming, though. He's kind of a fifth year, I think. He's fifth year in the league? This is his second tag. This is his sixth year. Sixth year. So, Cam Robinson, he's an he's a serviceable left tackle. Not who I want blocking for Trevor Lawrence going forward. I'll say yep. that. Um, I was definitely shocked, especially since they the first overall pick. My, I'll add in two. The se- so, you can franchise, player, franchise tag players two years in a row. But that second franchise tag is crazy expensive. The fact that they paid him, they're paying him that much money is, to me... Mind-boggling. Um, doesn't I'll tell you right now because I'm going to start with the odds on this on the on the mock draft. Does not change my outlook for them at one. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't change their outlook in my opinion, which we'll get into in a little bit more. Um, didn't like it. I didn't didn't see it coming. Didn't like it. Orlando move like you said. Saw it coming. Makes sense for them. They'll get a deal done pretty soon. Yeah, and Jesse they, Bates. They definitely will. Again, yeah, who got the tag? They're gonna get a deal done. They want to get a deal done before Derwin James yeah, gets his deal done with, with the Chargers. Jesse Bates is the safety for the Cincinnati Bengals. I feel like this is the most uh, you could have predicted this from a mile away. Him or him They're, or Devontae. They'll yeah. get a tag done very very soon or a deal done. This mm-hmm. tag is just temporary, and they'll probably reach a long term deal, making him one of, if not the highest paid safeties in the NFL. Yeah. Well, like I said, they need to get that done. And if I'm if I'm Cincinnati's front office, I want to get him paid before Derwin James gets his contract extension from the yeah. Chargers. Which is, I'll tell you right now, it's gonna happen before the season starts. It'll it'll be during training camp, right before season starts. Just like Joey Bosa's, just like Keenan Allen's extension. That's kind of Telesco's track record with those guys. Um, I guess in terms of Chargers extensions too, Mike Williams gets his extension. That was a big deal, yeah. I wanted Mike Williams back. I I was okay with them tagging him. I would have preferred the contract extension like he got, and I love I love first of all I love the contract. You're, you have a rookie quarterback contract, which is super cheap. You can afford to pay two receivers $20 million, $20 million each. But the way they structured it is great. So when we talk about a guy gets – so Mike Williams gets th- three-year contract for $60 million. You would say, oh, that's $20 million a year. And that's what it gets referred to as three, th- uh, you know, $20 million a year for three years. Yep. Call it AAV, annual average value. But it's not, the cash flows don't really work that way. Um the the contract values per year don't the cap hits don't work that way. Um, his cap hit in year one is fourteen million, and his year three cap hit is twenty seven million. But there's an out. All of his guarantee, he gets forty million dollars guaranteed. It's all almost upfront in the first two years. It's a cuttable contract. More likely a restructure and a resign extension. 
Yeah, unless Mike Williams restructuring, cutting, or extending him, you can't pay him twenty seven mil. And they and then they won't. I mean, that's what they did with Keenan Allen because Herbert will be pass. on his fifth year that season. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they're doing KC did with Mahomes, which is just push Most out them those those big cap. It's kind of like what uh, Buffalo did with Josh Allen, but um, really, really good contract. Another masterful, masterfully put together a contract workings. From the Chargers front office, GM Tom Telesco. Uh, really liked that contract extension. A contract extension I hated, though, was the Harold Landry contract. Yeah, we talked about awful. that. Five years, $87 million. Terrible. He's making right around 17 a year, which is insane for a guy that's not normally a household name, but 17 puts him right at the top of the market with like Fred Warner and Darius Leonard and a couple guys that he has no business like, being in the same an, conversation he's, as. He's a hybrid. All He's like an off-ball pass rusher, though. It's like... Mm-hmm. First of all, for the production, the money's not worth it. Also, it's a great, it's a good class to get an edge. They sh- there should be an edge for them to draft. You also, I don't know. I hated the contract. As a Ravens fan, I love that Tennessee decided <laughs> to put their money into him. That he's going to get cut in three years, probably. Right, I'm most sure. likely. Yeah. Um, but uh, Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay. Speaking of guys who to be on the move, Jordan Love. Going to be on the move, and I guess I'll make my first, the first official big hot take from the cold seat. Jordan Love's going to be a Carolina Panther. Come week one. Come week one, he's going to be a Carolina Panther. Will he be starting? I don't know. He should be. I actually like Jordan Love. I like his game. He didn't look good with Green Bay, but kind of in a poor position, I thought, for him. Throwing, kind of thrown into the fire, throwing the wolves a little bit. Like Jordan Love coming out of Utah State in 2020. Uh, he's got great arm talent, really high upside. I think he's going to be Carolina Panther. I hope for his sake they keep Christian McCaffrey and he can get healthy and they get the O-line right. I hope so, but they are fielding calls for him. So they want at least a first and a player. Is that, is that really what the compensation was? Yeah, I that's what they're looking for. I missed that today. Wow, that's a first and a player? Mm-hmm. That ain't happening. Yeah, I hate, to bra- that, hate to break it to him. Christian McCaffrey fully healthy. for. Oh, how you meant Jordan Love. I saw the McCaffrey thing. I thought you were McCaffrey. McCaffrey yeah. I was going to say Jordan Love yeah. for a first and a player. Oh, come yeah, on, I don't man. know what level command. Maybe you figure you get a I fig- player. I figure a second. Yeah, a second. I figure probably. a second, second or a third and a player. But yeah, the CMC thing uh, at a first rounder and a pick that figures. I mean, a little high for a running back. I wouldn't trade a running trade for a running back that can't stay on the field, can't be healthy. Yeah, first and a player. But um, yeah, Jordan Love going to be a Carolina Panther. That's my first official hot take from the Colts. I like it. Well, a couple hours after. The Rodgers extension where he chose to stay in Green Bay over choosing a few other destinations was the bigger news of the day on Tuesday where Russell Wilson, who it was previously noted that he was not going anywhere because Washington commanders offered three first-round picks to Seattle in exchange for Russ. It did not go through. So everyone thought that Russ wasn't going anywhere. Well, the news dropped that he and a fourth-rounder were traded to the Denver Broncos for two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick, tight end Noah Fant, defensive tackle Shelby Harris, and Denver's QB, Drew Locke. Now, this haul is pretty impressive for Seattle. I would say the instant reactions are Seattle won the trade. Now, of course, if Russ brings a Super Bowl back to Denver, I feel like Denver wins that trade regardless. But that's three impact players on that Denver team. Wrong. Especially two. Drew, well, Drew Lock is not do not say Drew Lock to the back. He can still players. impact a game. Negative being, negatively being a, negatively being a quarterback, he can impact a game either way. <laughs> that guy is a bum. He he has impacted games more negatively than positive. Oh, man. Okay, fine. Impact player, just negative. <laughs> just negative impact, that's fine. But no offense, really good player and Shelby Harris has a good veteran presence, so that should really help yeah. Seattle. No offense um, quality is a very solid tight end. Yeah, I was shocked they moved him. Yeah. He's, he's really young, still on his rookie deal. I, when I when I saw the initial the deal, I was actually sitting in class, um, and I saw the tweet came over, and I was not productive in class for the next twenty minutes because I was busy yeah. reacting to that. Um, was I. My initial reaction was, like you said, Seattle wins the trade. They were they sucked anyways. I mean, they were terrible last year with yeah, Russ. Yeah, I believe they had five wins. Rebuilds nothing to do. Tank, get yourself a quarterback next year. Bryce Young, TJ Stroud. Presumably, with the first one of the first two picks, you also gain picks to then move up and yep. get the first one. It's like what it's like what Miami did a couple years ago when they they stashed all those picks, thinking two was gonna be the first overall pick, and they have the five, and they're like, oh well, two is we'll just get him at five. It'll mm-hmm. work out. And 
could happen with them if they want to get their quarterback there. Um, or they because it could be a loaded defensive class next year, looking for a little bit. Um, but I think that's what I think that's what they're gonna do. Hopefully, they have a little more success with the quarterback than what Miami did with Tua. Granted, it's only it's only two years in, but off the rip, doesn't look great. But I think that's their play. Yeah, I don't think Seattle should take a quarterback no, this year. No. Uh, I also this uh, you mentioned it. This is the framework for the Watson deal if he get if he gets dealt. Um, so I said Jordan Love to the Panthers because I don't know if Watson's playing football again. Yeah, we're going to find out on Friday. On Friday, we're going to get a lot a clearer picture, but it sounds like he – he well, doesn't sound like we got the report. He's top of their wish list of yep. things to do. He's number one priorities. Get him. That would be awesome. Man. For them, it would be a great move for them. They probably he, give up, He's in the NFC. They probably give up CMC for that. But, Most again, likely. it gets an elite quarterback out of the AFC. It's a crowded division. The – Take away the draft implications. The implications in the AFC West are in the, in the AFC are crazy. Mm-hmm. The court, I mean, look, go to the list: Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a guy someday. Let's just get that clear. He's very talented. That team is awful. He's going to be a guy. Russ. You've now added Russ. Mac Jones looked more than serviceable last year. Ryan Tannehill still looks decent enough to manage a game, just like Mac Jones does. And the Steelers might get Garoppolo. Yeah, but you're, I mean, you're looking at those first seven guys. Those are elite. Those might be the. I mean, outside of Aaron Rodgers, the seven but eight, seven best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? I mean, it really could it might be. The argument can be made. Um, in the NFC, really, all you have is Rodgers, Stafford, Kyler, and maybe Deshaun, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, you know. I said Burrow, right? I threw Burrow. I said Burrow, yeah. I yeah. said Burrow Lamar at the same time. Yeah. I mean, listen, the, the the AFC quarterbacks are crazy. It's going to be a, an absolute dogfight going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, AFC West specific. I wasn't too upset about it. We split with Denver every year anyways. And I think Denver, they did lose a couple of key pieces. I'm still taking our weapons, I mean the Chargers and KC's weapons, over Denver's in terms of the offense and the O-lines. But um, definitely changes how I feel what the Chargers should do in their offseason. Definitely is going to change how other AFC West teams run their offseason, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Denver, I think it's a win-win. I don't think Denver lost the trade. It's a win-win yeah, trade for everybody, for each team. Denver gets their quarterback. Again, if Russ brings a Super Bowl to Denver, he, they win the trade. But see, I think Seattle gets the rebuild they want, um, which is, I, I, again, what they need. I thought it was a really good trade, and it's good for the league, too. Yeah. Um, Seattle make another, another shocking move, though, cutting – and Bobby Wags cut Bobby Wagner off for a linebacker. Um, yeah, that is nice uh, to see. They basically move on from that Legion of Boom defense and officially. I mean, everyone's gone now. I saw the thing today. That is now the last player from that 2014 team. They are. They have nobody else left over from that roster. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. I think a lot of the teams will jump after Bobby Wagner just not only because his experience in the league, but just because of the high level he's played. I believe he's had seven All Pro selections in his career in the NFL, and because he got cut, a team can sign him and not lose a compensation pick the following year for a player they lost, which is also very attractive to certain teams. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it really signifies the end of an era in Seattle um, of the the Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson era. Um, mm-hmm. Sucks for Seahawks fans, but I also think it's an exciting time. They've got a lot of capital to deal with right now. Uh, they've got the future is bright with that capital. Very. Um, but it signifies the end of an era there. Um, they all come to an end. And uh, curious to see where Bobby Wagner goes. Curious to see what money he gets, too. That's the big thing, is what money he's going to command in the market. It could be $10 million, $11 million, could be $5 million, could be $15 million. I have no idea. Um, but, uh, you know, who knows? Seattle ate some cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty six million of the thirty seven million that Russell's owed. I feel like that probably helped up the compensation they got in return by yeah. only having Denver pay eleven mil. Of yeah, that. yeah. But I mentioned that at least for the Chargers, it should change the way that they approach their off season. Um, I'll talk about that in the mind the mock draft a little bit. But in terms of free agents, top flight cornerback J C Jackson uh, is going to hit the market from New England. He has outpriced himself from being back there. Um, according to Brentley Wiseman, former NFL. Former NFL scout for the Chargers, worked for New England and the Raiders, uh, worked at UCLA and Oregon as well. He's currently with the Draft Network. Basically reported that he feels like J.C. Jackson to the Chargers. Seems like 
a really, really good fit and seems like something that's going to happen. Um, it was also reported by ESPN's Jordan Schultz that the Chargers, Bengals, Dolphins, and Niners will be the four teams all in on J.C. Jackson. Um, but it sounds like Chargers are going to make a run at him. I hope they do. They need a corner. They are going to need more corners now that they're going to be in an arms race defensively to stop the pass in the AFC West. Um, but it's a, com- it's a competitive defensive back market in general. It's a good near- good year to need DBs. Definitely. You guys just cut Tavon Young, right? I mean, really good slot corner. Injury prone, but really good year to need a, a defensive back. Yeah, they're really only – Corners that the Ravens have are Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, and they have only one safety, really, so they'll be in the defensive back market as well, also in the draft. Um, And then news that dropped on Wednesday, which is separate from all the other news, was that Carson Wentz, the former quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles and Indianapolis Colts, got dealt to the now Washington Commanders, which is... No one really saw it coming. It was I didn't think it was a good move for Washington. Like I said earlier, Washington tried to get Russ, and they were thinking of waiting to get Jimmy Garoppolo. But they really just wanted a quarterback going into free agency, knowing what they had at that position and not going into it with uncertainty or with risking a pick on a draft prospect this year. I don't think that they saw this draft of quarterbacks as anything worthy of a pick, especially in their first-round pick at 11. And that's kind of disappointing because it kind of brings less hype to their pick and more hype to their team, I guess. And they'll probably most likely spend that pick. It should be on offense, but it very well could be on a corner, like we talked about. And the compensation was about – it was a little steep – but giving up a third-round pick that could be a second and another third-round pick. Yeah, so it's, it's this year's third and the next year's third, but that next year's third can turn into a second-round pick if he plays 70% of Washington's offensive snaps this year. Right. It's exactly what – it's like it's the same deal that happened last year when he, went to, when he went to Indy. It was a second, but it turned into a first this year because he played 70% of Indy's offensive snaps. Yep. Um, so – He's obviously not the answer there in no. Washington. He's not he's, the long-term answer. Either. He's there for a couple years probably until they find who is the answer at quarterback, and I hope they do rather soon rather than later because really since RG3's rookie year, they haven't had anyone at that position except Kirk Cousins' late-season heroics that led them to a playoff. And then they had Heineke and no one else, Fitzpatrick, that really could – Dwayne Hit Haskins. Talk about yeah. a, talk about a bust of a quarterback. Yeah, that was that was a bad pick, yeah. but I'm sure they'll get the answer there. Yeah. What's going on, y'all? Brady here. Wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update, real fast. Brett and I were looking to give y'all the first mock draft of the podcast, first mock draft of the off season, at the second half of this episode here. But instead, we're going to move that to Monday, seeing that we're going to be starting a mock draft Monday every week here on the pod, leading up to the NFL draft. Figure we'd give you guys two batches of content each week rather than just one. So we'll have an episode on Thursday just like normal. And we'll have a, a Mock Draft Monday episode on Mondays. We're looking forward to it. And we'll catch you guys on Monday. See ya.